You hear about young entrepreneurs often, but have you ever heard of young real estate owners? What made them different from us? How do they manage to do it? And is there a formula that can be replicated? If you're curious to know more about how to get there being a young property owner, stay tuned to this episode. Hey guys, I want to give a special shout out to our Instagram page. If you have yet to follow us there, what are you waiting for? Follow our cute little coconut for great reminders, content snippets, and great vibes to perfume your day. We know you'll love it as we expand our ecosystem to journey with you every step along the way. So come on to the Financial Coconut Instagram page now. Tag us whenever you see some interesting stuff. Help grow our community together. Link is in the description below. Welcome back to another day on Coconut Avenue. Join us as we explore various property insights, investment strategies, and challenging property myths out there today. We'll be bringing on investors and experts in the game to share with us their insights and stories to better prepare us for our journey. Whether you're looking at your first property or building a bucket of gold through properties, there's something for you here. Ultimately, it's about helping you find your unique game plan. Today, we are joined by Robert, who is the co-founder of Boxeroo, a fast-growing merchandise printing company in Singapore. He's here to share with us his experiences in owning his first property in the UK in his early 20s. Can what he did in UK be replicated even in Singapore? Stay tuned to learn more. So Robert, you own two properties in the UK now. Can you take us through your property journey from the start? Yep, sure. Um... Yeah, like thanks again for having me here. I think it's quite interesting to to share my journey, but also like to understand a bit more about the property game, especially for young people in Singapore. Um, my journey actually starts like uh, way back. I've had the idea of buying property since I was a lot younger. It's probably because it's passed down from my parents who always said one of the first things you need to have is, is, a, is a roof over your head, right? Yeah. So I thought, you know, if everything... Go, goes bad, I need a place to live. Yes. A shelter is so important. So I've always had this idea in the back of my mind. So when I first started working, my first job out of university, um, worked in banking, and I was always like, okay, how do I now, how do I buy a house? Like, How do I buy a property? So it's always been in the back of my mind. What age were you back then? I was 21. 21? 21. Okay. And it's a little bit difficult because the way the mortgage system works and when you're 21, your first job out of university, you're not making much. Yeah. So in terms of getting a mortgage, it's very difficult. Yes. So yeah, when I went to the bank to get like a mortgage offer, like it wasn't much. It's usually like four or five times the annual pay. Yes. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't add up to much. So I had to wait a bit longer. Yeah. And then when I... When I moved on from banking to fintech and I was making a bit more money, again, that was a struggle because London properties are super expensive. My salary, even times five, was still uh, was okay, but I needed a bigger deposit. Yeah. And to, to get together like 50 to 60,000 pounds was a little bit difficult at For that point. For the down payment, 50, yeah, 60,000. Yeah, yeah. So it's usually about 10%. Yes. Um, so that was a little, little bit difficult and I was looking at a bunch of different um, schemes, whether I can do help to buy or shared ownership and it was still difficult. So again, I still had to wait a bit longer. I started saving money for it. So I started putting together some money on the side yeah. where I could just, that this pot was building up towards the house. Do you save, like, do you have a percentage to save every month? 
not necessarily. I have on my uh, banking app, we can create loads of different pots for different things. Yes. And you can, when your salary comes in, you can split it, split those, that money into different like pots. Yes. That's always helped. Um, so that's what I generally tend to do. I have like a target of like, hey, I need 10,000 pounds or 20,000 pounds to buy something and yeah. I just start contributing it and you can see the percentage of that being filled and yeah. it just like creates, you gamify it, right? So yeah. it's like, I get so excited. Sometimes I'll just like save a bit of money here, yeah. there so I can put more towards this goal. Yes. So that always helps. But there isn't a fixed percentage every no, month? No, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't know because I think it's a little bit difficult because I like to live a comfortable life but yes. also need to save for bigger things. Yeah. Um, and I can't save too much and not live a good life yeah. either. So you've got to have a good balance. Yeah. So I was saving, and then like when I was at university, I saved a bunch because I was always working while I was at university. So mm. all my maintenance money and everything I saved up. So when it came to like, when I was 24 and I started like getting into my own business and I started saving a little bit more, I knew I, I was kind of ready to buy my first property. So when I first bought one, I was 25. Yeah. Bought one outside of London in, in a place called Milton Keynes. So where the price were a little bit cheaper, a little bit more affordable. So I got my first property like in the, in the bag. So it was a three-bedroom, semi-detached house in Milton wow. Keynes. How far so, is it from London? Uh, it's probably like an transport. hour. Public transport, yeah, probably like an hour. Like it's just an hour. slightly okay. further out. Yeah. So that was pretty good. It was like, okay, now I have something to work with. But why do you so, choose that place? Because I was living there and working there as well. The business oh, was out of there. So I was okay. like, you know what, since I'm going to be here and the, the UK property market is pretty liquid, you can sell and buy pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah, you know the area. The, yeah, yeah. So bought one there and then I moved back to London two years later. Yeah. So I made a bit of capital appreciation on that. Yeah. Uh, sold that house you and then bought house. one in London in Wembley where I moved to. But th throughout that two years, did you rent that? Semi-detached out? Or? No, I mean, I lived in it. Oh, you and then it? I rented the other two rooms out. Okay, okay. So in reality, you live basically for free. For free, because they are paying for your yeah, mortgage. exactly. And I that's see. the bit that people need to, to crack. Yeah. Um, I didn't, the reason I bought the place there is because I didn't feel like, what, why am I living in someone's house and paying the, the mortgage for them? Yes. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe I can push myself harder to try and buy one. Yeah. And of course, my parents supported me to get one too. Yes. Um, got one. And then, then you feel like, okay, this, is, this can work. The, the revenue you get from it pretty much covers the mortgage and the yeah. bills you live. Do you have free. like extra income as well from the renting of two rooms? Uh, no, I think it's just about, because the, the, the rental market in that area in Milton yeah. Keynes wasn't as huge as London. So it kind of covers all the bills. Yeah. But then when I moved to London, that was a totally different, uh, totally different game. Okay. Can yeah, you yeah, bring yeah. us through that? So I moved back to, to Wembley where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, and I was looking at a couple of the new bills. There. There's a lot of new bills. Mm. So there's one that, that I was interested in, went and saw a bunch. And then this specific one was like, it was it a weird kind of face uh, in terms of um, the prices. It was fluctuating up and down. It was the show, like, flat, the, yeah. the, the show flat, right? So I had all the uh, furniture Venture. and everything kitted yes. out. And it was one of the last ones to go. Yeah. So I was like, hey, like, this is the last property to go on your, on your sales, like, list. Like, let's negotiate here. Yeah. Let's try and bring the price down. Yeah. Can you throw this in here? Like, that's the best thing, right? People assume sometimes that you can't negotiate when it comes to, like, new bills or with... Uh, developers actually yeah. you can mm. it really depends on your negotiation skills so yeah. 
at the end of it, I managed to get like all the furniture that was in there, so I didn't have to buy anything new. It was like yeah. really nicely kitted out. And then I've also got them to pay like my stamp duty <laughs> and my, uh, my my like lawyer's fees as well, my yeah. conveyance fees. Wow, this so amazing. I was like, this is a pretty good deal, but this like you got to negotiate super hard to get yes. these things. So I think the takeaway from that is like, as much as possible, negotiate. Don't be shy to ask questions. Yeah. Because if you don't ask, you don't get right. So, yeah. So you yeah. took the profits from the first yeah. house and then you you bought the second Yeah, so house. I sold the first one, took the profits from that. I also saved up a little bit more because London house prices are ridiculous now, yeah. right? So, and then to, to make <coughs> up for that. And then like my friends and family kind of helped me out with, yes. with a little bit of cash. Yeah. Just a question, when you sell the, when you buy a house in, in UK, do you have a minimum occupation period? Because for Singapore, if you sell the house within one to, to three years, yeah. you have to pay an extra seller's stamp duty. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no, not in the UK. So you, you could, you could flip it like, yeah, whenever, okay. Whenever. Yeah, that's different. That's, uh, yeah, so then bought that. And then that, I was living, I was living there for like, like pretty much two years yeah. till I moved to Singapore. Uh, and in between, I was like, this is a super nice house, but I was traveling quite a bit as well. Like yes. during the summer, I'll be traveling. Yeah. And the house wasn't being used or like it's, it's just been empty. Yeah. So I was like, well, I live in Wembley where there's a lot of events, there's yeah. a lot of football games. A lot of football games. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, one night I had this crazy idea. It's like, okay, why don't I put this on Airbnb? Okay. And this just changed everything. Yeah. For the next one, yeah, it just changed everything because put it up on Airbnb. I just used the the photos that the the marketing of the company that sold it to me. For you know, the like show, flat, show wow. flat, <laughs> the show flat photos that are already on the website. You can find them on yeah. Airbnb. Like you just Google it. Yeah. Downloaded like the high quality images. Yes. And the flat did look exactly the same. Like yeah. you know, I kept it up to that standard. So put it up and then woke up and I had like loads of people who wanted to book it. Wow. And I was like, okay, is like this is. This is, this is good. good. This is good. Uh, and then, yeah, I had like my first first guest come to stay. And I like went and bought towels, kit the place up, yeah. made like uh, tour guides for them, uh, like, a, like a house manual, rules and all of these things. And there's a bunch of like uh, good resources online, yeah. which helps like new Airbnb host to get started yeah get started yeah so that was like amazing i found the resources there and i watched a bunch of like youtube videos to get yeah. started and that was pretty good mm. and then it just blew up from there like yeah. throughout the summer uh june july august even sometimes september it was like fully booked out and and i was like i wasn't even you're traveling yeah i was traveling for the first one or two months i was like managing everything and yeah. like doing the cleaning uh buying re like uh, supplies uh, going and changing the sheets mm. and washing up so that was fun but like after a while it gets super tiring <laughs> yeah. so I had to get someone to step in to yeah. do that I see, I see. Um, and then yeah once I got the system running then I was just traveling most of the time yeah. while this this flood makes money for you you know so the, the renter from the Airbnb pays your mortgage yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. So the, the, we used to get anywhere between like 150 to sometimes like 300 pounds a night. Wow. So it's like, it, it really depends. During the, the summer times, it's peak season, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people. So, and you're pretty much guaranteed to be uh, like booked up. And it definitely covers like the, the, the mortgage and the management yeah. fee. Can I ask for this unit, what's the price that you paid for ballpark? 
around? Uh, this was <coughs> like 450,000 pounds. Yeah, yeah. So your down payment was around 45 grand? Yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. which is not so bad. Yeah. Yeah. But this is on zone four in London, right? I, so I don't know the zones. <laughs> <laughs> so zone one is like central, central London, yeah. two, three, and then four. Oh, it goes up to okay. like seven. Yeah. Yeah. But as long as it's rented out, you it's know, rented it doesn't out, matter it's which exactly, zone is it, exactly. it's making you money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then <clears throat> from then on, did you think of buying the next property so you can replicate the same model as well? Yeah. So I think I've always, uh, I was like, so what's next from here? Yeah. Like, and then a couple of other properties came up Yes. in the market. I was keeping an eye out and yeah. there's like... Um, there's a few properties in in top of like shops. Yeah. So we have the the shops at the bottom and flats at the at the top. Yeah. And that's how I got the second one. Yes. Uh, just out in the market through like in- introductions. I was speaking to a lot of people like, what's out in the market? Is anyone looking to like sell mm. uh, or rent out? Because in, in 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 the area we were living in, like in Wembley Stadium area, there was a lot of rental properties. But you move further out, like ten minutes walk from there, yeah. there wasn't a lot going on, and it was still quite a new kind of thing, uh, like for people to Airbnbs. So then I got my second one again, like kitted it out. It was yeah. like pretty much empty, and I had so much fun doing this one because my first one, like we had everything from all the furniture was already there, but yes. this one was completely, completely empty. Oh. Um, I'll, I'll show you some photos, like okay. I went from buying like the beds, the, the sofas, and like I was on like a tight, tight budget. I was like, well, this is people, I need to buy nice stuff, Yes. but it's gonna be used, it's gonna like wear out and stuff. So yeah. let's try and be clever and see if I can do it in a budget. Mm. So actually, like I said, okay, maybe I'll stick to a budget of like a thousand pounds, which is like nothing when you try and do it and that you can't even get like a bed yeah. for that much, right? So you've got to be a bit more creative about like Facebook marketplaces. You can look at Gumtree. Gumtree is a bit like Carousel here. Yeah. So people are selling their secondhand stuff. People are looking to get rid of stuff. So I literally hired, you You can hire a van on an app there as well. So you just pick up a van, message a few people, find the things you need and go around. It's just so much fun. You yeah. just go and negotiate, get things, start building up. The whole process. The whole process. Yeah, yeah it was fun. And then so many tri- like trips down to Ikea. And yeah, like once you have a vision of what you want the place to look like, yeah. and then you choose the color scheme and then you just buy second hand you don't always have to buy the brand new yeah it doesn't make sense because it's going to wear and tear yeah, to exactly. rent yeah, yeah and sometimes you'd be so surprised there's a lot of nice stuff available on second hand some people just want to give it away for free yeah. and stuff, so. there's also nice stuff available for new launches like what you say yeah 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 <laughs> so yeah so that was my second one and loved it like those properties were making pretty decent amount of money. Yeah. But the only problem is, like, in, in March of this year, it kind of all... COVID. Yeah, it just completely crashed. Yeah. Uh, overnight, start losing thousands and thousands of, like, bookings. There were just people cancelling, messaging in. Yeah. I think it's a huge panic from Airbnb as well on, like, yeah, cancellation fees, refunds. And then overnight, you just see it go down completely. Yeah. Which is... Uh, which, which sucks. Of course but it sucks. But that's the nature. Then you've got to move quickly to figure out what's next because you've got mortgage payments, you've got yeah. bills. Yeah. You and you're in Singapore. Like, yeah, I'm in Singapore and it's like super difficult to do. So then I, luckily I found a, a friend of mine who runs an estate agency yeah. um, who's 
took those back and put it on a long-term rental for now. Ah. So I've got it out for a year. I'll see how things go at the end of like, like March, April time, see yeah. if it starts picking up again. Once yeah. the tourism returns, yes, yeah, or even domestic travel returns, yeah. then we're good to go back on it. So you pivoted pretty quickly Very when quickly. COVID. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I wasn't gonna willing to wait around. You knew because I was in Singapore and I see how it was going into a lockdown, and yeah. you will see Europe follow a same kind of thing. Yes. And you're losing like bookings left, right, center. So yeah. you've got to move fast, otherwise yeah. you'll be stuck. So even though you are earning lesser when mm. you're renting it out long term, you're okay with it because it at least gives you something back. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you lose about I would say about thirty percent. Thirty percent. Compared to to to, to short term Airbnb. Yeah. 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 But at least you know you're not getting your own money for the mortgage. Yeah, you're, you still, just, you're covered, everything's still, and you get a little bit of extra income, yeah. and it's fine for now. It's not, it's, not, it's not optimal, but it's fine for now. Yeah. But once things get back, then I would definitely want to go, go back to listing it. Yeah, so let's say if everything goes back to pre-COVID, yeah. Yeah. do you think your system of doing things, like you buy and then you lease, can be replicated through different properties? Yeah, I think the... Like rental arbitrage is an interesting concept. Mm. I think it, they do it quite a lot in the States, yeah. but even in the UK. But it's where you lease the, the property. So you lease it from a landlord. You go to a landlord and you're like, hey, this is what I'm intending. You've got to be really upfront about it. This yeah. is what I'm planning to do. Are yes. you okay with that? Yeah. I'll pay up rental upfront yeah. uh, and I'll, I'll ensure there's no issues with the property and it will be given back to you in the, in the same state, if not better. Yeah. And I'll spend money on revamping the place up. So you rent it out from them or you lease it from them for yeah. a long-term long lease, 20, 25 years, Whoa. however you want, right? Yeah. And then you set it up on, on an Airbnb setup, but there's a bunch of other platforms. It's yes. booking.com, it's yeah. home away. Um, set it up on a platform like that. And then it, it definitely works. Yeah. Or if those things don't work, you also need to make sure that if those things don't work and if something goes wrong with the rental side, uh, in terms of short-term rental, you've also, you're always covered on the long-term. Mm. So you've got to be a bit wary. So at least this is a good backup. You yes. still cover and you're still making a little bit of money yeah. that you spend. So, so you're saying this lease-to-lease model can work? It can so, work, yeah. So on top of you buying the property itself yeah. outright, Maybe, you know, if you have lesser cash, you can also employ the lease-to-lease yeah, lease model. Yeah, yeah. But then you have to look out for all the downsides. You know, yeah. What if another COVID hits, you know, how are you covered COVID, for the long-term rent? Yeah. And then, like, your landlord pulls out or there's, like, yeah, there's a bunch of issues. You've got to see about control. But that's probably one of the best things to do is because you don't, you don't have that much money. You can't afford to buy a house. You can, yeah. if, the, if you want to get into the property game, this is always a good, good way to look good at start, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you save on a down payment. Yeah. Yeah, I think this method can also be employed in Singapore, lease to lease. Because we have a lot yeah. of laws regarding buying and selling property. Yeah. But leasing, you can lease yeah. a lot, man. If but you can but the up. only issue is, I'm not sure how it works here, but I know like there, there's a lot of gray area around mm. Airbnb. Yeah, Airbnb is it, it's not, not allowed. allowed yeah. Yeah. Short-term rental, I think the minimum is like three months, right? Three months, Three months, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, again, it's still an interesting space because I think... Uh, there's one country that's going to recover very quickly from COVID, it would be Singapore. Yeah. Because they've already taken steps way ahead, right? So yeah. in terms of tourists returning, borders opening up, 
like, you know, more people come moving here to work, I think that will happen a lot more faster mm. compared to other countries in the region. Yeah. So for people who are looking to, to do like property management or rentals, they could start looking like even now to plan out how this is going to work, figure out who the type of people are going to come in and yeah. whether there's some clever ways to work around the laws here. Yes. yes. So that would be quite interesting. Uh, unfortunately, I don't know too much about the the property market here in Singapore. Yeah. But I think, you know, in UK or in Singapore or anywhere in the world, what's important is the demand. You know, yeah. if you're in a place that has demand or your, your house looks nice and yeah. it's convenient, yeah. then whenever things go back, goes back to normal, the chances of you getting it rent out is definitely higher than yeah. Yeah. somewhere yeah. which is not that convenient. Yeah, I think the most important thing is, is the location. Location mm. is so important. Yeah. Um, accessibility. So yes. what you're close to, it could be MRT, trains, planes, like you need to be well connected. Yeah. Those things make a big difference. Yeah. And also like, you know, things to do around there. If you're next to like, uh, an event space yes. or like a, like, um, like landmarks and stuff, that definitely helps as well. Yeah. Hey Coconuts, if you're someone who wants to learn how to pick stocks to make passive income, this is for you. The fifth person has created a dividend investing program that teaches you how to invest for income while avoiding the companies that will go bankrupt. Thousands of people have already taken their program and are getting between 8 to 12% each year. They've just opened up a whole new intake and if you sign up through us, you'll be getting access to our members back end too, which is focused on the very thing you're interested in, investing. Learn more at thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. That's thefinancialcoconut.com slash dividend. Link is in the description below. So on top of uh, accessibility, location, yeah. are there any other factors you look out for in buying a property? Or I think a couple of things you can look at. I think with now, there's a lot of data on properties, a lot yeah. more data available and readily available and easily accessible than yes. before. So looking at trends of like uh, house prices, like how long it's been on the market, yeah. um, how much it was rented out for, how much it was sold for previously, those things make a big difference. Yeah. And also like another thing to look at is like the government plans of, for that area. Yeah. So are there any new MRTs coming up? Are they building new, more properties in the re like? Like on the good side, like more MR, like connections, uh, bus stops, trains, uh, connectivity. So all that kind of Transformation. transformations in that area is a good thing. On the other side, you also need to look out for like other buildings because if you're buying things in new builds, there's, if there's an area of development, are there going to be a lot of buildings in that area? Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of construction work. But also, is that going to, if there's too many new builds in the same area, is that going to... Change the supply. Try, yeah, supply. It might be way too much supply. Is yeah. that going to change the price? So there's a couple of things you can, you should be looking out for when you're making these decisions. Yeah, yeah. It's not that straightforward. It's not, no. Yeah. <laughs> but then if you have done the, the right homework, yeah, then yeah, yeah, you can yeah, look out yeah. for the... And the best thing is to like speak to people. If you have mm. friends, you're estate agents, or yeah. been in the property market for a while, very knowledgeable yeah. to, to speak to. Go, going back to your UK properties, yeah. you know, you, you let a manager manage that yeah. properties. So how do you find it? Since I moved to Singapore, I mean, yeah. I, I wasn't, I was left, I didn't have many choices. Like I have to find someone that's going to look after the place, yeah. manage it for me and get things done. And 
that works well because I've known this like friend for a long time. He's someone I trust. Yes. Um, and they're not going to do anything, anything dodgy, and they yeah. know that they'll look after your place because yes. it's my home, right? So yeah. Whoever's living there has got to make sure that they look after it and not trash it. Yeah. And you can and then it can be quite expensive as well, right? Like people to manage your properties yeah. for you. So you've got to get a good balance. At least with this person, I get a good deal. Yeah. It's all taken care of and I don't need to worry about anything. Yeah. So that's the thing you need to look, look out for. The fees, exactly what they'll deliver. And also like there's any bits of like handy. There's always going to be upkeeping yeah. uh, work that needs to be done, right? So you need to bear in mind you have someone that you trust that's actually going to get the work done and yeah. build you accordingly. But, yeah. Yeah. but I think that, you know, even if you get someone you trust to manage your properties, yeah. there are going to be stories, there are going to be different, different ways of how people are going to make use of your property. Yeah. Do you have any yeah. crazy stories to share about yeah. your Airbnb yeah. journey? Uh, yeah, I had a bunch of like crazy parties. Yeah. Not personally, but I mean, of course, I personally had a few, but uh, my guests... Had a couple of people that were like throwing crazy house parties yeah. when it was clearly said on on the listing no yes. parties or events are allowed. Yeah. But people just just don't care. So yeah. I come back home and it's it's trash. Then you take photos and report it to Airbnb. Yeah. And it, it's, yeah, it's not a nice thing to deal with, but it comes as part and parcel of Airbnb hosting. Yeah, but it's seldom. Uh, it's not often, right? No, it's once in a while. Yeah. I try and like whenever whenever someone requests a booking, you look at their profile yes. and try and make a good judgment on if whether they're going to be doing that. And if you feel like they are going to be having a party. Yeah. And sometimes people tell you up front. Yeah. You just let them know like this is not allowed. Not mm. because I don't want you guys to have a good time. It's just because you live in a residential area. Yeah. And it's just not allowed for you to do so. Yes. So that's that sucks. I've had a couple of things broken here and there, but yeah. nothing major, touch wood. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, and not, I haven't had anything too crazy. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, nothing too crazy. Just bits and bobs of like paint come off and you yeah. get that done quickly. Okay. Glass is broken. Yeah. You just get those are re replaceable stuff. So I haven't had really crazy ones. Um, was there any security was called maybe once? But that's, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. That's about it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you do meet a lot of interesting people. Because normally I like to like greet the, the guest, Bio. bring them up yeah. and like, yeah, and like show them around. Yeah. And you meet a lot of interesting people. So, you know, knowing what you know right now. Yeah. If you can go back to when you were 24. Yeah. Will you change anything? Will you change your game plan in properties? I would say, only thing it's probably have a bit more of a structured way. If I knew that like Airbnb was going to be like the, like was so big. And yeah. I mean, if COVID didn't exist and yes. Airbnb was going to be this, the, the big thing, I would yeah. have started much earlier. Yeah. So renting it out and I had a plan. This is what I was going to do. Yeah. Um, have a more of a structured way of like buying one, saving up here, remortgaging it and getting a next one. Yeah. So I would have had a more of a structured thing and I did, I feel like I, yeah, I feel like I knew I wanted to buy a house but I didn't have a, structured way of growing that empire, yeah. like growing that uh, portfolio of properties. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I'll do differently, I think. So you will expedite the whole process. Yeah, yeah, I see, yeah. I see. And think like, okay, make the system more towards like making rental cash. Yeah. That's what I'll try and do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, just squeeze all the juice out before yeah, COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 
And during COVID, it was like a couple of bookings, but we were like, I was pretty scared to rent to it rent out to anyone. Yeah. You just yeah. don't know, right? Yeah, you just don't know. I saw a picture, you know, a few months back, you know, the, the, the cases were going up in UK and people yeah. were just going to the beach and they were so, so close, they were just in close proximity. Yeah, yeah. Without masks. Yeah, people at the pubs, parks, they're having a good time. Yeah. It's crazy. We live in a very different world to them. We live in yeah. a very safe place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the reality is different, but hopefully things get better. Yeah, I hope so. So, Robert, yeah. but in Singapore, it's a bit different because, you know, we, we stay with our parents mostly until yeah. we get married because properties are expensive here yeah. and then we have to pay a big down payment. And if we go for public housing, we, need to, we can only buy it if we are engaged or married because the government encourages us to get married. Yeah. And if you are single <laughs> or you, if you are gay, yeah. then you can only buy it when you are 35 years old. So subsidized housing only when you're 35 years old. Unless you have saved up a lot, you know, then you can go into private property at any age you want, whether yeah. you are married or not. Yeah. And I think it's about 25% down payment. Wow. Okay. And we can only borrow much lesser than uh, in the UK. Wow. Yeah. So okay. in Singapore, it's, I think it's harder to get a property to do that than in the UK. Right. right but, right, but it's not right, impossible right. because yeah. like what you mentioned, we can lease a long term yeah. and then lease it out again. So the law says at least three months. So you know our shortest Airbnb is yeah, three months. Three months. Yeah, but you yeah, can't call it Airbnb. Yeah, yeah, you, know, yeah. you just rent out short term. I mean, that's interesting because I think in the UK as well, like a lot of young people go through like a similar thing. Yeah. Um, I think our parents' generation, they were managed to buy properties. Um, but like our current sort of generation is a little bit difficult because the, the salaries have kind of remained pretty much the same yeah. house prices have shot up yes and the lending it's still the the still pretty much the same right so yeah. you need to put a pretty decent chunk of uh, down payment and then if your salaries isn't making sense yeah for example let's look at a property that's like 400,000 or 400,000 right in, in zone 4 zone 4 yeah zone 10 minutes four. from Wembley is that yeah, possible? pretty much, yeah. Okay. About four, 400,000, maybe a two-bed you can. But okay. now the Wembley price have gone up, right? Yeah. 400,000. And you are, maybe say you're like 27-year-old uh, working in, in an office job. Yeah. Maybe you're on like a 50,000 a year yeah. salary, right? Yes. And you go to the bank and yeah, you, you ask for a mortgage. Yeah. They're like, okay, well, we can give you four to five times the amount of salary, right? So around so, 200 to 250 yeah, grand. Yeah, max you'll get is 250,000. Yeah. And the house price is what, 400,000, right? So you need so to pay 150,000. 150, so where do you go and find this money? Yeah. So if someone's on a 50,000 a year salary, how are they expected to save up 150,000 for the deposit? Yeah. So that's the tricky part. And some people are more, some people earn more, some people earn less. Yes. Um, some people like partner up. Like, so if they are going to get married or are married already, the mm. couples buy the places together because then yeah. you've got 50,000 salary a year, your uh, spouse has another 50,000, then yeah. it's possible to buy a house together. Yeah. Then will they, you know, borrow you 400,000 then? Yeah. Because you have 100,000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. So then you bring mean? it together. Okay, so you can buy a bigger a one. A joint mortgage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now you have a bit more thing, thing to play with. And a lot of my friends do that. Yeah. Um, so that's an interesting way to do it. But also in the UK, we have a bunch of government schemes. So we don't necessarily have like 
uh, HDBs as yes. such and like subsidized housing. Mm. But we have more things like, um, so like uh, help to buy scheme and shared ownership. Yeah. So those are quite interesting concepts because it's again programmed to help young people get on the property ladder. Yeah. So the government will lend some money and you'll have like some time to pay it back. So they'll help you with that deposit. Yeah. Or the, the shared ownership scheme is super simple. It's whereby, imagine you had a property that's again 400,000 mm. and you don't have 150,000 to cash to, to pay. So what you do is you buy 25% or you can't get a mortgage for 400,000, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And you know uh, what you do is you buy 25% or 50% of that property. Yeah. So instead of the 400,000, you buy 50% of it, which is 200,000, yeah. which is will within your mortgage offer that you can get. Yeah. And then you move in there, you get a mortgage for 200,000. So 50% is owned by you. Yeah. 50% is owned by the housing association. Ooh. And after you moved in a year, you can buy another 10% of the house, another oh. 20. So you build it oh. up and buy 100% of it. Okay. But when you rent it out like that, do you get all the rental? Uh, so on shared ownership, you're not allowed to rent it out. Oh, it's, it's a residential place. It's a government scheme. Okay. okay. So what happens is you 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 own fifty percent of the house, right? Yeah. So you 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 buy that for the other fifty percent that you don't own. Yeah. You've got to pay rent to the housing association. Oh. Until you buy them out. So when you're paying the rent, does it count towards the equity as well, or no? Uh, no, no, that's oh. just yearly rental, which okay, is okay. a bit, which is so annoying because that part, that fifty percent rental that you're paying, yeah, it's like yeah, it's a, it's a little bit, a little bit of a waste, yeah. But there isn't much you can do. It's one of the schemes that people go for, yeah. and that's why people are incentivized to buy the rest of it out as soon as possible. Yeah, yeah. Because the quicker you do it, the less rent you pay. Yeah. So but usually no the rent, the, but usually the rent is like pretty manageable, pretty manageable, super cheap yeah. because of the government scheme, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's no free lunch in this world. Yeah. I thought, no. yeah, wow, <laughs> wow, it was free, you know? Yeah. And then you could just save up for the next 50%. Okay, okay, understood. No, no. But in the UK, do you think that a lot of people are doing it your way, you know, buying a property when they're young and then slowly multiplying it? Or A lot of people do that. I know quite a few people that you can always remortgage as well. Yeah. So you buy a property, wait a couple of years for the appreciation to go up, and then you remortgage to get some value, to get some, release some equity out of it, mm. and then use that equity that you release to buy, then put the deposit for the next one. So oh. I've had a couple of friends who do that. Okay. So there's a lot of clever ways around it. Yeah. You need to, you need to do your research, you need to speak to the right people yeah. to figure out how this works. But if you're, do, if you're doing that, then you could easily, you know, within a few years, you can grow your property it, yeah. to a Very few, few, few properties. properties. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you talk about, when you mention that you would have your whole game plan more structured, do yeah. you mean like that? That's exactly it. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. So yeah. Very interesting. But do you think you will do that once you once you once the COVID is over? I think once COVID over COVID's over and I get a bit more time and I'm a bit more settled here in Singapore. Yeah. yeah. It'll give me a bit more space to play around mm. uh, and like get back on that game. I think yeah. that'll be that'll be fun. And then how do I do a lot of people here like yeah buy HDBs and rent them out? Is there restrictions on what you can do with your subsidized housing? Um, legally, we are supposed to stay in it for yeah. five years. Okay. Yeah, okay. but I know some people, I mean, not my friends, because yeah. they're not yet married, but I know a lot of people outside, they, they rent it out as well. Nice. Although nice. it's not. Legal. I heard some, I heard like there was some amazing, like 
super nice HDBs. Yeah. I generally, I, I thought when I went to see, like when I visit my Singaporean friends in yeah. their homes and stuff, I think the HDBs are like pretty good standard. Oh, you have mostly. good friends. <laughs> <laughs> so those ones, I, I thought they were good. And then like, I've seen one near this, that building near Tanjong Paka, you know, that. The Duxton Pinnacle? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a HDB. That's a HDB. But it's, I think that's one of the most expensive HDBs. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That looked pretty pretty good. Yeah, I think there's a few units that sold one million, one million dollars. Oh really? So around five hundred thousand UK. Wow. Yeah. That's but I think the view is amazing over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. And is there restrictions on like you gotta be have lived in that area for a while? No. no? Yeah. You can buy HDBs anywhere. You can buy HDBs anywhere. anywhere. But I, I think you need a ballot. You need to ballot because for sure there are a lot of people who, who, who want, want the same property. Yeah, yeah. So you need to ballot and then you, if if your parents stay nearby, then you have a higher chance because they want you to stay near your parents. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. can look after them. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, you will have uh, higher grants as well. Yeah. If you stay near your parents and if your household income is below a certain amount, you yeah. get a higher grant as well. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, yeah. if your household income exceeds, I think 14k, they don't give you a lot, if any. 40, 40? One four, per month. Oh, okay, per, per month. month. Okay, yeah. So yeah. the husband and wife adds up. If it's beyond 14k, then I don't think you'll get a lot of subsidies. Subsidies, okay. Yeah, because they want to help the lower people income people. Always, people need it a lot more. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. So nice. I think it's, it's pretty restrictive in Singapore, but I know there are a lot of people out there who are also earning money, you know. Finding different ways to, to work around the rules. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like lease to lease is a, is a method. Yeah. But I think the biggest risk is that, you know, how are you going to rent out? Even, yeah, let's say, yeah. even before COVID, you know, there must be something that you need to do that is better than the other properties so that you have a higher chance to yeah, get it rent yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting the place out, getting it on the market, marketing it rightly yeah. on all the sites yeah. and then doing as many viewings as possible and all these things make a big difference. Yeah. Do you do anything to your properties to stand out from the others? I think it's just more about aesthetics, the way it looks, the things you have in, like, things you have in the property, even the smallest, like, smallest things you can add to it, yeah. which doesn't cost a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, makes a big difference. Like nice frames, nice photos, uh, good like paint, like white paint, for example, makes a place look a lot more bigger than what it is. Yeah. Uh, just decluttering a lot of things, making it look a lot more bigger and spacious. Mm. That definitely helps. So in other words, you're trying to make this place Instagrammable. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, that makes sense. Yeah. I know in, in UK, you know, compared to Singapore, the way properties work are different. Yeah. But what do you think are the general mindsets that, you know, we should adopt as we look towards property as a form of investment and going in early as well? Yeah, I think um, for me, it's more about starting early. Yeah. Starting to think about this a lot earlier. What's, what's your plan? Mm. Um, start saving up earlier. Yes. And actually understanding it, like, you know, might be as soon as you get into your first job and you... And you know you want to buy a place. Yeah. Um, start saving, start planning earlier, start understanding how it all works. So when the time does come, yeah. um, you're, you're pretty much clued on on what's happening. Mm. And also be speaking to people who've done it before, that always helps. Yes. Uh, and the other thing is like if you're very like super keen on buying one, yeah. um, but don't have the, the measures, like uh, the, the, the means, it's probably to look at 
what you do have, look at government schemes, mm. look at what options you actually have. So yeah. with the money, uh, with, with the deposit that you already have, with the current like wage you're on, try and assess the situation, see where you can buy. Is there any like a smaller place you can buy to get started? Can you buy something slightly further out? Yeah. So those are always good ways to get started is when you have like have a mindset of like, yes, I want to get something pretty soon. I want to get I want to get started. I want to be on the property ladder. Yeah. It's getting yourself like set on it. Uh, and then and you're working towards that and you're figuring things out. You're doing your research, you're calling around and everything will kind of fall into place. Mm. I think starting out and getting going is the hardest part. Yeah. That's where people fail because people leave it till too late or people assume that it's difficult or people yeah. assume it's impossible. Yes. It's not. It's not. It's not. So you're just a normal UK person who has done it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. It's, just get, it's, about, it's just about wanting it yeah. and then putting in the work to, to get that. Yeah. This, I think the savings part, because it might take years, yeah. I think that's what, that's something that people forget or yeah. they run out of the determination to save up more. Yeah. But like what you said, after saving for a few years and then you keep doing your research, something good will happen, happen. Yeah. after something, that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, okay. Understood. You know, there are some similarities between what you said yeah, yeah. and uh, Singapore properties that I think the audience can learn from. So, yeah, yeah I think it's, it's really interesting to hear <laughs> your story, you know, from yeah, the UK yeah, side. Yeah. Because you can Airbnb and all these things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure they, they have something to learn from. I think interesting. So, thank you for your time, no, Robert. No worries. Thanks a lot. Hey, thanks for taking time to tune in. I hope you've learned a little bit more about property investing today. If you feel like you have benefited from this podcast, do share this with your loved ones and also do follow us on all our socials and join our community telegram group and tell us what you're interested to know about next. Everything is in the description below. Have a great day ahead guys and always remember when we are better prepared, the next opportunity is just around the corner. See you next week. So Robert bought one property first and he builds up the cash flow so he can purchase another one in a good area. Even with COVID, he still managed to rent it out long term. So of course you say that that's possible in the UK because the property prices are better compared to Singapore you know, with all the taxes that we have, how to replicate that in Singapore. But if you look closely, if you look carefully in our market, you realise that there are companies employing the rent-to-rent model. You don't need to own a single thing at all. You don't need to pay the taxes of owning properties. You don't need to pay the huge amounts of down payment. You know, you look at companies like Hamlet, look at companies like Cove, they rent properties long-term and sublet it at profitable prices. Of course, the risk that they have to swallow is the upfront cost if these properties can't be rented out. And I can tell you that there are many property experts in the market doing that, but it's just not widely mentioned. Because first of all, it's, it's not a risk that a lot of people want to take, especially if you're working full-time and then you still have to think about how to market that. And the agents don't necessarily uh, say this as well because they don't earn that much when they help you to rent. They earn a lot more when they sell you something. But I was thinking if you ever find a unit, a good unit for a very good deal, why not rent it down long term, market it well, find an agent that's willing to help you do that and sublet it just like what Cove and Hamlet are doing. When I was interviewing Robert, I was at his place, he rented it from Cove. So we were talking about this idea as well. I've even heard of cases whereby a person rents the whole unit down, lives in the biggest room 
and sublets the other rooms. And in the end, they didn't even need to pay the rent because the property from the subletting has covered the cost. So yeah, if you're thinking of ways to make some profit without owning stuff, or if you're thinking of staying on your own, you could probably dig deeper into this idea. It might just work for you. But always, you know, you got to keep in mind the risk that you're going to take. But if you're okay with taking that risk and you know how to mitigate that, then I say, why not? 